Hey everybody, welcome back to the Financial Freedom Show. My name is Rob Berger. In this episode, we're gonna talk about how many mutual funds or ETFs should we own? Um, we want diversification. We don't wanna put all our eggs in one basket. So is there some magic number? And what is that? How should we even begin to think about uh, that question? That's what we're gonna to cover today. I wanna to get right to it. And I'll begin by saying, I think the answer is as few as possible. Now, I'm not gonna leave you there. We're gonna get into some detail. But when it comes to managing investments, again, whether you're talking about mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, ETFs, and your 401k, your IRA, perhaps a taxable account, you want as few as possible while still meeting you know, your investment goals. And I think we could actually get the number down to really just a couple. And here, here's why. First of all, when you get started investing, you know, you're, you're putting money in a 401k or perhaps an IRA. Uh, you've got one account. Seems pretty straightforward and you start investing on a monthly basis. Now, fast forward 10, 15, 20, 40 years, and if you're like I am, you know, you've got an IRA, your spouse does, or you might have Roths, you may have an inherited IRA, you may have a 401k and a taxable account. Things can get really, really uh, complicated, and the more uh, mutual funds and ETFs that you own, the more complicated it gets when it comes to rebalancing uh, your investments. That's particularly true if, in addition to retirement accounts, you also start to save and have money in taxable accounts. And I can tell you from experience, when you try to have too many mutual funds, uh, it can get really hairy really, really quickly. And then once you start to retire, whether you do it all at once or maybe you start going to sort of semi-retirement and sort of gradually ease yourself into your golden years, you st as you start to take money out of your investments, the, the more mutual funds you have, uh, the more complicated that can become as well. So the goal is to, to have diversity, to meet our investment goals, but to keep it as simple as possible. So with that, I want to first uh, address a couple of things that shouldn't uh, affect uh, the number of funds that we want. And, and yet I hear this from time to time anyway. The first is diversification. I think some folks confuse the number of mutual funds you own with this idea of, you know, if you have more, you're more diversified. And that's just not true at all. Let me actually show you what I mean. Uh, we're looking at my whiteboard here. And we can think of what we call asset classes. This is where the, kind of the term asset allocation comes. There are a number of asset classes. And at a high level, we can think, right, of stocks and bonds, right? And how much we invest in each is probably the single most important question we can answer as an investor. But now let's just focus on stocks for a moment. We can break that down into US stocks, right? And international, so there are two asset classes. And then for each one of these, we can look at size of the company, right? So we can have large cap, uh, you know, large cap, uh, mid-cap, medium-sized businesses, and small-cap, right? And we can do the same thing for international. We can have value companies, whoops, value versus um, blend versus growth, right? And just uh, as a quick refresher, a growth stock is one that's really growing its revenues and, and hopefully profits very quickly. So think Tesla or Amazon or Google, something like that. Value would be more of the older companies they may not be growing by leaps and bounds, but they're well priced and they're doing well, right? It could be energy companies, could be banks, uh, things like that. 
And then blend would just be sort of a combination of the two. Sometimes it's referred to as a blend, sometimes core. But we have those for both U.S. companies um, and we have them for international companies. Right. We could add in to all of this. We could add in REITs, real estate investment trusts. Right. And we could actually have REITs for international and U.S. You can see how complicated this gets very, very quickly. You could add in commodities as another asset class. Right. I suppose included in that would be gold. Right. So you have a lot of different asset classes. And as you can tell, it gets really, really complicated. But here's the point. This doesn't still doesn't tell us how many mutual funds we should have, even if we decide, you know what, I want all of it. Give me all of it. I want every last one of them. How do we how do we do that in a mutual fund? And let me show you an example on the monitor. Uh, I am looking at the moment at um, Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund. I'm actually going to switch over to Vanguard Total Word, World Stock. Uh, ETF. Its ticker symbol, symbol is VT. And this is a stock fund and it basically invests in just about all publicly traded companies throughout the world, more or less. Um, and if we look at its portfolio, remember, this is just one mutual fund. We can see, does it have U.S. stocks? Yep, sure enough, there it is. U.S. equities, 59, 56.94. Let me just try to make this a little bigger for you. All right. It's got um, international stocks. If we look at the weighting, which we can do right here, it's got large cap. That's the row across the top. It's got mid cap. That's the middle row. It's got small cap, bottom row. It's got value companies. This is the column. So 26% would be categorized as value. It's got blend. It's got growth companies, right? It's got a little bit of everything. If we come down here, we can see the sectors it invests in, if that's important to you. And you can see it's got all the sectors covered, including, by the way, real estate, even though this is not a REIT fund, um, it includes REITs and other uh, uh, companies that give us exposure to real estate. It's got a little bit of everything. Um, and if we then scroll down to the actual portfolio, look at this. This one mutual fund gives us exposure to over 9,000 companies throughout the world, just one fund. And so that's really uh, the point that I want to stress is that we can have incredible diversification with just a single mutual fund. In this case, it's the stocks. We haven't talked about bonds, but it's the same concept. We could find bond funds uh, like uh, Vanguard's BND that holds over 18,000 bonds, just one mutual fund. So it's really important to understand that when it comes to diversity and wanting perhaps even a large number of different asset classes as part of our portfolio, that doesn't mean we need a lot of mutual funds. We can we can get incredible diversity with just a couple. So diversity in and of itself is not a reason to own more funds. Um, and then the second thing, go back to the screen for just a second, that I want to stress is when we look at all of these different asset classes, what I've often seen is that people with a lot of money now, what, what a lot is to you and what a lot is to someone else <laughs> uh, can be very different. But when I see folks that come into a lot of money, millions of dollars, let's say, they sell a business or they get an inheritance, they think they need individual funds for each of these. They almost want to map all the asset classes one-to-one -to, -one to a mutual fund. So they end up with portfolios often recommended by expensive advisors that have 10 mutual funds in them, 15, 20. I've seen uh, plans with 25 or more 
mutual funds, and ETFs, I think it's honestly designed to make the advisor look really impressive and to make all of this look really, really complicated. I wanna stress something. I don't care if you're sitting on $100 million. That is not a reason to own a lot of mutual funds or ETFs. It doesn't make owning a lot a mistake if they're part of a coherent investment plan and there's a reason to own all of them. But if I had $100 million tomorrow, I would invest it the same way I invest the money that we have. And I can assure you, it's not $100 million. The fact that you might have more money or you come into money, you sell a business or you inherit money is not a reason to all of a sudden need a dozen mutual funds and, and ETFs. It's just not necessary at all. So then um, what should we consider and how do we come to the, to the answer what's right for us? Well, there are some practical considerations. I'm going to walk through a couple and then I'm going to tell you my approach. That's what we're going to do. So the first practical consideration, oddly enough, is a 401k uh, or other workplace retirement account. And the reason is when you invest through a, uh, your, your employer's um, retirement plan, you don't have complete control over your investment options. You kind of have to uh, pick from the menu uh, that your plan offers. There are some exceptions to that, but by and large, that's true. So for example, maybe you want uh, a total US stock market fund like VTI or VTSAX as two examples. One's an ETF, one's a mutual fund. Well, your employer's plan may not offer that. They may offer an S&P 500 index fund. That might be a great alternative. But the point is, you don't have complete control of your options in a 401k like you do with a taxable account or an IRA where you decide where to open it. And you can open it at places, you know, most brokers where you can invest in just about everything. But here's the point. If you're juggling multiple accounts, which include 401ks or other workplace retirement accounts, think TSP for federal workers, maybe a 403b if you work in a nonprofit, along with IRAs and taxable accounts, there may be a need to have a, a, a greater number of, of mutual funds than you'd otherwise want to have. So that's sort of a practical consideration. The good news is we can still keep it to a minimum, but I think it's fair to point this out as you're juggling multiple accounts, some of which, like a 401k, you don't have complete control of your investment options. You have to keep uh, that in mind as you're selecting where you want to invest. The, the second thing that I think we need to consider, and I've alluded to it, is rebalancing. You know, as I've invested for 30 years, as our assets grow and, and things get a little more complex and I near retirement, I can tell you firsthand that rebalancing can get really, really complicated particularly if you have significant amount of money in a taxable account, because in selling investments in a taxable account in order to rebalance, you're gonna trigger taxes. Now that's not necessarily something to avoid, that's part of just managing an investment portfolio, but we obviously wanna keep our tax burden as low as possible. And if you, if you slice and dice your portfolio, as I like to call it, and have you know, a dozen different asset classes mapped to a dozen different funds, and then you add in, some of them are in taxable accounts, some of them are in retirement accounts, you can end up triggering more taxes than you otherwise would if you can keep the number of funds down to a minimum. And I'm gonna give you a specific example in just a minute. Uh, before I do, the third point I wanna make on kind of keeping things simple and things you should consider, uh, and it's related, is called asset location, that is, in what types of accounts 
should you keep your investments? And by types of accounts, we can think of basically three. Uh, a taxable account, a, a traditional 401k or IRA, and then a Roth, because those are, all three have different tax treatments. As a general rule, if you have a REIT fund, you do not want to have that in your taxable account. It triggers a lot of tax liability. They, they pay out a, uh, at least 90% of their profits in income every year, and income from a REIT is typically taxed as ordinary income. So you don't want that uh, in, you know, in a taxable account. And, and that actually is part of my story. I'll come back to REITs in just a minute. Um, at the same time, with a muni, if you have a municipal fund that, that has tax advantages, uh, those tax advantages won't do you any good if you stick them in a 401k or an IRA. So with a muni uh, fund, municipal bond fund, you typically want to have that in a taxable uh, account if you have them. Um, those are sort of two sort of obvious examples. A lot of folks will say keep bonds in tax deferred accounts as well because they generate a lot of interest. I think generally that's a good rule of thumb. Uh, although you have to keep in mind right now yields are really low. And for Roth accounts, I like to keep equity or stock uh, investments in Roth accounts because I want those to get as big as possible because they have great uh, tax advantages. So you can see how we have all these different moving parts. If we add a dozen different mutual funds, it's going to get really, really complicated very, very fast. So let me show you what I've come to believe is the best approach. And I'm going to clear the page. I think the best approach, and we've talked about it in the past, is a three fund portfolio. I think this is the starting point for any investor. I don't care if you're just starting out, if you're my age, you're getting ready to retire. I don't care if you've got $5,000 invested or 500 million. I think the three fund portfolio is, uh, it, it, it gives us incredible diversity, but it keeps things simple. And the three funds are a US stock fund. That's the first one. I like VTI, which is, um, or VTSAX. Uh, the first is an ETF version. The second is the mutual fund, but it basically covers the entire US market. We'll look at these in just a minute. And then you need some sort of international fund. I like uh, VXUS uh, from Vanguard. So that's another example. And then you need a bond fund. And there's a couple of different approaches for bonds. You could do BND, which is a Vanguard bond fund. Um, Fidelity has one that's similar, uh, which is VBND. These are intermediate term bond funds. You know, we can make the argument that it just should be U.S. Treasury fund. That's another perfectly fine way to go. But the point is, and you'd only pick one of these, you wouldn't have both. But the point is, you know, you've got one, two, three funds and you're done. And it gives you incredible diversity. It, it, it covers all of the asset classes that we talked about just a minute ago. When it comes to rebalancing, it's about as simple as it gets. Uh, and when it comes to retirement and pulling money out, the fact that you're only dealing with three funds makes it incredibly easy. And let me just show you some of these funds briefly. Um, we'll start with VTI. This is the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. We can see that it's very cheap. It's only three basis points. You can see that right here. If we go to the portfolio, we look at the weights, we're going to see we've got, what, 6% in small cap. That's down here at the bottom. We've got uh, about 15% or 17% in mid cap companies and then the rest in large. We look down the columns, we've got value blend and growth. We can scroll down and we can see we've got all of the sectors covered. 
And when we come down to the actual holdings, we can see just this one fund alone gives us uh, exposure to 3,899 uh, companies. Incredibly diverse, low-cost fund. I don't think we can ask for anything more. If we look at VXUS, is Vanguard's total international uh, stock fund. It's basically the same concept for non-US companies. Expense ratio is just eight basis points. We come over to the portfolio and we can see again, we're gonna see the same thing. Uh, much less on the small cap, although there is still 2%, uh, plenty in the mid cap, 18%, uh, if I'm doing my math right. Uh, obviously most of it's in large cap and then we've got value blend and growth. We can actually scroll down here uh, we can see the sectors all covered. We look at region. Of course, there's a little in North America, as you'd expect, um, but United Kingdom, Europe developed, uh, emerging. We've got Asia emerging, almost 16%, Asia developed, uh, Japan. Basically, it is what we would expect, an international stock fund. And if we come down to the number of equity holdings, look at that, almost 7,500. Absolutely wonderful fund. And then just briefly, uh, we'll look at BND. Again, I don't think this is the only approach uh, for any of these funds. You can find similar funds, low-cost index funds, at with most mutual fund companies. Um, but for BND, it's an intermediate term. You can see it right here, core bond fund, U.S. fund, uh, just a three and a half basis points. It's really, really cheap. Uh, if we go to the portfolio, we'll see um, uh, that it's got all investment grade bonds you can see that right here because bbb is the the lowest that it has most of it's in triple a it's got government bonds it's got some corporate bonds it's got some securitized i'm guessing that's mainly mortgage-backed securities and if we go down to the actual portfolio yeah almost eighteen thousand five hundred bonds in that one mutual fund so again you could create the same three fund portfolio with Fidelity, with Schwab, I and mean, there's a lot of different ways. I mentioned Vanguard, it's just what I use and, and, and it's the one I'm most familiar with, but it's by, by no means uh, the only option. But the thing I wanna stress is, you can't look at the number of funds to determine diversity. You've gotta look at what the funds own. And when we look at something like uh, the three funds that I just mentioned, VTI, VXUS, and BND, incredibly diversified. We're talking over 10,000 companies, over 18,000 bonds. It covers every asset class you could possibly uh, imagine. And I really think and have come to believe that should represent the core portfolio for any investor, myself included. I mentioned I would come back to REIT. So here's what happened. I've historically had a six fund portfolio. So I've had the three types of funds I just mentioned, but I've added three more, a REIT, emerging market fund and small cap fund. And the theory behind that is when you look at these different asset classes, emerging markets and small cap as, as two examples, you can see over the long term, they tend to be much more volatile than say an S&P 500, but they can add diversity to a portfolio. And some actually believe exposure to small cap and maybe small cap value gives you the chance to actually outperform a portfolio that was just say S&P 500 or just total stock market. The problem is, it really complicates your portfolio, particularly if you have taxable accounts and as you near retirement. So one of the problems I found was that all of our U.S. stock index uh, investments were in taxable accounts. Now, not everyone will have that issue, but that was our a problem. Very tax efficient. 
But what happens when I want to sell some of that because I need to rebalance? Maybe U.S. stocks have gone up. Well, now I'm going to trigger taxes. Well, at the same time I was dealing with that problem, I had 10% in REITs in a tax deferred account. And it just occurred to me, do I really need a separate fund just for REITs? What if I were to sell that, which I can do in a tax deferred account without taxes, and just move it in as part of my overall U.S. stock allocation? It still gives me exposure to REITs and real estate, maybe not quite as much, but how important is it that I really have 10% of our portfolio in REITs? I don't really think it's that important at all. And now with that amount put into U.S. stock funds in a tax deferred account, I can rebalance my U.S. stocks using that, that fund in a tax deferred account without triggering taxes. And so the fewer funds you have to deal with, even if it's across multiple accounts, it becomes much, much easier to understand your investment portfolio, to know exactly what your asset allocation is, to, to, and to rebalance, all of which I think in the end is going to make starting to pull money out of your account, which oftentimes has as much to do with taxes as it does asset allocation, it makes all of it easier. So we're in the process of going from a six fund portfolio, at least down to a five fund. Eventually we'll get to three. The only thing really holding me up is that our small cap is in a tax taxable account with a lot of gains. Fine. I'll leave it there for now. Doesn't overcomplicate my portfolio too much. So the point is not that three funds is the only answer, but I think for the question, how many mutual funds should we own? I think the starting point is three. U.S. stocks, international stocks, and a bond fund. You may have reasons to deviate from that. Maybe you don't want any bonds right now because you're in your 20s. Fine. Or maybe you just have to have small cap value because you really believe long term uh, it's going to outperform and you really want that exposure. Okay, so now you've got a four fund portfolio. I still think the starting point is three funds and there's got to be a good reason to deviate from it. And again, it's incredible diversity and it's a perfect portfolio. I don't care if you've got a hundred million dollars to invest. That's my take. If you have any questions or comments, leave them uh, below the video. Be happy to help you out any way I can. And until next time, remember the best thing money can buy is financial freedom.